Yeah, so the problem with science is that <coughs> science, as you said, operates off of um, a framework. Now, for many, that framework is the evolutionary framework, especially when we're talking about biological sciences. And within that ev evolutionary framework, uh, the data is then interpreted and you know parsed and, and evaluated and uh, so on and so forth. Discoveries are made. Adventists can reject the framework of evolution in terms of its theological importance, but can use the principles within it, for example, natural selection or um, other aspects of, of evolution or whatever you want to call it, uh, th that are manifest in nature to determine the principles behind uh, what occurs. So for example, um, I'm forgetting the, the, the phrase right now was Fibonacci numbers. Um, but anyway, there's this, there's this uh, specific number um, or the specific code in the genetic code that, that produces uh, the stripes and zebras. And it has been quantified by a scientist. Alan Turin, I think, is the one that, that did it. Um, and it's a, it's a number that, that replicates, and it's a number that, uh, that uh, has huge implications for biology. But at the same time, uh, just because that number exists or that, that concept exists or the reality of it exists within the DNA sequencing, um, that does not mean that uh, we have to reevaluate our entire theology al alongside of uh, because using the source of evolution. So when Adventist scientists do research, they have to account for the Bible's interpretation of of reality and the Bible's interpretation of of origins th and the science of origins. So within that framework they can do uh, original research and they can produce uh, material uh, they can they can produce uh, original research that is worth um, that that can produce discoveries or whatever we want uh, within it however um, there is that there is a rejection of the evolutionary framework that is inherent because of our theology um, the problem comes when scientists decide to accept the evolutionary framework as their theology and they began to and they begin to interpret the entire framework of life using the evolutionary framework and uh, that brings them into conflict with uh, Adventist education and the philosophy of Adventist education so um, if if the Adventist church is going to continue to maintain its accreditation it has to come to grips with some of these these issues with uh, accreditation for scientists and for theologians, and uh, one of the ways that it can it can work uh, through through these problems is by developing its theological foundation and uh, and figuring out or building upon what the f the pioneers uh, initially built on and uh, building it out completely, and that's obviously going to take some time. It's going to take systematic theologians, exegetes, uh, archaeologists. All sorts of all sorts of uh, historians and uh, experts to to work through this system um, to develop the Adventist system, and it's something that we all need to to support and work towards. Um, but still, within the Adventist education system, there is there is a certain value that um, is is present if 
it is carried out uh, in the way that that is intended. And that value is that Adventists uh, trained in young people can be trained to be original thinkers. And I think that's the, the most valuable thing that our economy is looking for. It's looking for people that can look at something in a new way, that can interpret results in a new way, and that can create products and services that benefit humanity um, in ways that have never been thought before. And what people are looking for is they're looking for that kind of innovative thinking, um, that original thinking um, that is not uh, readily uh, delivered through the traditional modes of education. So instead of copying the best of education out there, I think the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy have given us a template uh, through which we can actually excel um, through our education, through our by building on our framework, and we can probably outstrip the world in terms of um, discoveries if we wanted to. Um, however, we have to realize that there's always going to be this tension and that education is a trust. So if you are a teacher within our system, we are trusting you with the lives of our future of our church. And as parents, they're also trusting you with their most prized possession. In, and in, in a flip side, we're also trusting the parents uh, to train up their children in such a way that when they come to the school, that they're able to take a stand for the right and not be shifted by every wind of doctrine. So the parents have a responsibility, as Mrs. White says. The teachers have a responsibility, which is a sacred responsibility. Um, the pastors, theologians, administrators of the schools and of the church system have a responsibility as well to produce thinkers that are trained for both the world here and the world to come. Um, and I hope that this series has been uh, something that's of value. We can always, uh, we, we invite questions and we can always uh, revisit those, uh, your questions and uh, your comments uh, in a later episode. Okay, we, we're only about five minutes into this episode, so I think we can probably stretch it out a little bit more and, and, and delve a little deeper into what we've been talking about. I want to go back to the, the issue of uh, science and, and ev evolution and then the, the theology aspects and how do those two things interact. Um, the nature of science, as well as the nature of theology, is that both have a sort of um, demand that... <coughs> when you come to them, you come to them with a blank slate. And, you know, when you do science, one of the, the central foundational aspects of science is that you set aside your preconceived ideas and you do the, the work and then you let the data take you to, to your conclusions. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's a difficult um, thing to do in general and oftentimes we don't quite get there, but science has certi certain built-in functions that give, give us the ability to, um, to try to reduce our biases as much as possible. So science itself is one of those types of things where the, the, f the primary expectation is that you come, you come to it uh, with just a willingness to go wherever the data takes you. Now, theology is the same kind of thing. Uh, depending on what your authority sources are and how you, you understand the inner logic of your system, um, to give an example, particularly in our system, the, the idea is that the Bible 
is uh, of a higher nature in its authority than anything else. So essentially, if we look at how human beings gather knowledge, we have reason and experience, and these two interact to develop what we, what we consider knowledge. Now, in a world where God doesn't exist, that's, what, that's the only thing we would have, and by its very nature, nature it will be imperfect. Uh, our reason and our experience might be telling us something today, but after many years of research, we would totally change our mind. And we have this expectation that every piece of knowledge we currently hold uh, could actually be, in fact, wrong, and we'll have to change it later. If a God does exist, then this God could come into our sphere and, and reveal to us actual truth, which by its very nature would be would be more trustworthy than anything we could gather on our own. So so when, we, when it comes to theology, when we say that we consider the Bible to be the highest type of authority, by its very nature we're saying that we need to come to the Bible with a, with a blank slate, let the Bible speak for itself, let it develop its own theology. You know, the Bible doesn't have to touch upon every subject that human beings think and talk about. But there are certain things that it, it itself wants to talk about. It has its own agenda and its own um, main ideas and main topics that it's trying to address. And we need to let it speak for itself. And the problem is that we have uh, um, just in general, people have created this this uh, situation where either um, they're not letting science run its course because they're f superimposing theology on science and that breaks the whole system of how science works, or they're taking science and forcing it on scripture and having, having those preconceived notions derived through, through scientific means affect the way we do theology. And both, e either one it just breaks the entire system. So let's just be honest with each, with each uh, of these um, truth sources and authority sources and let them run their course. Let's do theology based on the Bible. Let's just, l let's just let the Bible speak for itself and let's see where it goes. Okay, so when you say let's, let's let the Bible speak for itself and let's uh, take it where it goes or uh, take it as it reads, as some people say, uh, the problem with that is that, which is what we explained, which we, what we described in a couple of episodes ago, is people today in our church are fundamentally reading the Bible differently than they ever have before and they're coming away with different uh, takeaways from what they've read everyone uh, in the church uh, at least in the Seventh-day Adventist church holds the Bible in high regard and so the vast majority of people and so for them even if they you know they, however they read it they come away with different opinions and the only way to look at that is to say well you brought something to the table that colored your view of what scripture is, is saying and therefore you've taken away from scripture what scripture isn't saying but they deny they deny that aspect but here's where they, they, they come into the problem so let's just talk about uh, let's talk about some of the the problems in scripture and how they they relate when you take all of scripture into consideration so not only do you keep scripture as your only source, but then you, you take the, the totality of scripture uh, into consideration. So uh, in Jesus' time, there were two groups of uh, theologians. 
one that believed uh, one group that believed in the resurrection and one group that denied the resurrection so the the group that believed in the resurrection uh, theoretically would have been more open to Jesus' claims to the resurrection whereas the ones that denied the resurrection were completely uh, hostile to the idea of a resurrection ever happening but Jesus came he predicted that he would be he would die and he predicted he'd be resurrected and he did die and the bible says that he was resurrected right so the problem with with that narrative what i usually like to say to people is that we start out with this impossible narrative of god creating man out of dirt and then the global flood and so on and so forth but it only gets worse from there because the 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 claims of the bible just get stranger and stranger you have a virgin predicting uh, a virgin that is predicted to give birth you have people uh, thrown into some man's grave and coming back, uh, a person coming back alive. You have a man killing uh, a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. You have all these stories in the Bible where the Bible is claiming them to be real. I mean, Jesus is quoting some of those stories as being real. And so what ends up happening is you either approach the scripture and you say, well, we don't know whether that was actually historically true uh, or that people wrote stuff that they thought was uh, salvific or theological in content. <coughs> we take it as a code. Uh, we take it as a case book, not a code book. Um, that's one view of Revelation inspiration, according to Alden, Alden Thompson, one of the theologians at, at Walla Walla University. Um, but that that view of scripture uh, is only problematic, and, and it just gets more problematic as you go through scripture. Um, so all we're saying is that um, science has its place, it's valuable, um, it's something that can be used, but it also has its, uh, when it comes up against theology, it also has its limits. And uh, theology has its place, and, uh, but the Bible itself, when it is commenting on something, it has its own agenda, as, as Mike said. It has its own reasons for why it's saying what it's saying. And the reason is that God is behind that. And God's reality is far different from ours. And, in fact, for us, um, our science, if you think about science itself, our science of origins is just limited to this earth. And our earth is one of billions of earths or trillions of earths that are out in existence. So for us to take a take a belief um, on on science regarding origins or any aspect of that we're taking a belief on very little data and if we were to extrapolate that data or if we were to take that data and superimpose it on uh, something else that we usually do in science um, and produce a paper on it many people it would fail peer review because people would say you you base your conclusions off off of too little data and that's kind of the, the view that science has um, in when it comes to origins. Now, when it comes to processes, how the body uh, develops its, its proteins or how the body uh, fights off diseases or the, the interaction of uh, microbes uh, to the body or the, the interaction of viruses to the body and things like that um, or to themselves, um, those aspects are things that, that can be observed directly and that can be described directly. Um, 
and in those aspects the the objectivity of science the the power observation the power of technology combined with the the human observation the collection of facts the collection of data the interpretation of data all those things um, science provides tremendous value and I think that it's something that we can use we always use I, I use it to to beat cancer um, but <coughs> within that framework uh, that is that is something that's still subservient to the Bible um, it's still less than than the Bible so um, I don't know how much uh, you want to stay on this topic we could I, I, I'd like to talk about a different aspect of, of education if you want yeah let's go let's move forward. okay move on. so when we when we talk about education um, let's talk about the delivery of education so how do we deliver education traditionally education has been something where you attend school on resident uh, as a campus um, <coughs> you you go to school every day and you listen to a lecture or you go to a lab and you get your education however today with the advances of technology education is delivered online and it's delivered uh, wirelessly uh, unlimited you know all over the world there's open source platforms for education um, and then there's also the the closed platforms for school um, so within that context how does Adventist education translate across uh, the web um, how could someone benefit from education that is delivered wirelessly or remotely uh, do those principles of education still translate um, where the person is removed from the environment of the school. Because Mrs. White spent a lot of time talking about the environment of the school. There were lots of debates about whether or not we should have sports at school. Um, what kind of subject should be taught? The, the kind of uh, whether kids should be disciplined in college or not. You know, there's all these discussions that, that Mrs. White had with people, and she commented on stuff, and obviously uh, Adventist educators uh, imposed their views on Adventist education as they... they uh, want to do, but within that that uh, framework, how does Adventist education translate to wireless education? Um, yeah, I think that's a that's somewhat tricky, I guess, to to translate that across the board, especially the the experience a person has within the classroom. Um, on the other hand, um, education seems to be destined for disruption because of technology. Um, you know, anybody can can learn a topic, break it down, and then get on get on YouTube and and teach a series of lectures that would essentially be of the same value as somebody sitting in a classroom listening to a bunch of lectures. So uh, the problem is that this disrupts the business model of, of the schools because obviously, if if the lectures are available free online, why exactly pay pay to be there? Mm -hmm. um, but then the if you're just learning the material, you're not getting the degree. So then there's uh, people trying to come up with tests you could take or you test out of subjects based on things you've learned on your own. So there's so much that's that's changing these days with education. And I'm not sure exactly where things are going and um, uh, how things are going to be in just a few years from now. Um, and I'm not sure to what degree Adventist education is keeping up with these trends and trying to think ahead about how we could uh, revise its system to take advantage of of the this new trends. I think there there is some attempts at Andrews University um, for for Andrews um, long distance education where I think they 
they're working on education systems for the Middle East and things like that uh, to to bring education not only you know uh, also to our pastors all over the world um, seminary education things like that so there is an attempt to to harness technology um, but the question still remains how much of the Adventist experience transmits through uh, through Wi-Fi yeah and uh, I think part of that has to do with maintaining the focus on um, the, the the thing is Adventist education is is uh, at once it's it's an abstract idea so when you're when you're teaching you're you're communicating ideas and people are thinking about them and they're communicating back so there's this there's this aspect of uh, uh, ideas being exchanged. So I think that can be maintained. Um, but there's, there is still this aspect of an environment where uh, Adventist teachers are to be brought, uh, I mean, uh, students are being to be brought into an environment where their characters are allowed to grow. And it's not only the mind, but the body as well that is supposed to be trained. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because we have the various models in Adventist education of, you know, Andrews, Southern, Walla Walla type schools versus Weimar and, and mm. Weechi Points and, and all the self-supporting schools. Um, in the traditional <coughs> schools, um, there's some benefits to the environment, but um, probably... When you oh, say traditional, uh, what do you uh, mean? Tradi traditional, I mean like Andrews and, and okay. Southern and okay. them. Maybe the one benefit is that the the student finally goes away from home and has to take care of himself or herself as opposed to being you know pretty much within the house of the parents like they've always been, and that's something you cannot replicate through Wi-Fi, and you know maybe there's some value to to just some that independence that's necessary for a person to mature, but on the other hand, uh, you know people that have gone to the schools uh, sometimes that the experience of being there isn't a positive one because they you know they get into the wrong crowds and they get involved with the wrong stuff and um sometimes it's actually a negative experience um the 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 other types of schools the self supporting schools um create a much more christian environment where it's you know they have very strict standards <coughs> people that go there you know they they have a schedule they they're out in the fields working they have all these things so maybe they they get a lot more of the christian experience um even though i'm not sure if they're getting the opportunity to to be independent to think for themselves to to develop their own yeah. christian experience and so on yeah so when when you have a s uh, we're talking about a structured environment versus an unstructured environment so when you have a structured environment uh, you wake up at uh, a certain time, you eat meals at a certain time, you uh, work in the field, uh, you get manual labor, so to speak, uh, something that Mrs. White uh, championed. Um, she even championed working with plants so that you get an education of, of how plants grow and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, we'll pause here for a moment. Yeah, I think we've gone a little bit over, so let's pick this up in the next episode.